Welcome to Mastermind FM. Before we get started, here's a word from our sponsors, Plesk. Plesk is more than just a control panel granting you full flexibility to customize, manage, secure, host, automate, and control your web projects as well as any underlying infrastructure. We simplify the lives of web professionals and give you star features like one-click staging, cloning, syncing, plus automated mass management of multiple WordPress instances on your server and more. Have it your way. Find out more on Plus.com. A word from our sponsors, Freemius. If you create and sell WordPress plugins or themes, you know that only coding features is not enough. You're going to have to securely accept payments, manage subscriptions, handle software licensing, collect European VAT, software updates, and the list goes on. Freemius handles all of those aspects in your business for you. When you sign up to sell through Freemius, they treat you like a true partner because they will only earn money when you earn money, which naturally serves as an incentive for them to help increase your sales. I highly recommend you head over to freemius.com mastermind and get a full month of fees waived when you start selling your WordPress plugins and themes through Freemius. Hey everybody, welcome to Mastermind.fm. This is Jean Galea and I'm joined by James Laws. This is a catch-up episode where we're going to be sharing what we've both been up to over the past few months. So James, welcome back to the show. <laughs> hey Jean, it's been a long time. Yeah. Life gets busy. We always had intentions of trying to kind of circle back a little more often than we have. Yeah. So it's been a long time coming, but uh, yeah, it's good to be back. Right. So... I don't know. <laughs> How shall we start off updates? I feel like there's a lot of catching up to do. So I've been following mastermind.fm, obviously, um, mm-hmm. and watching you guys are putting out some really good interviews and good content. But, you know, the truth is, Jean, what has been up with you personally? Like right. your business side of things. Like I hear a lot of the interviews and, and a lot of the stuff about people that you're having on the show. But what's going on with the empire that is run by Jean? <laughs> So last year we had spoken about the paddle sports uh, project yep. that so yeah. that's still that's still going strong. So I've been very busy with that part. Yeah, which is nothing to do with the empire really, but <laughs> just a big part of my life. So <laughs> worth mentioning. You are like super healthy, so uh, you're an inspiration, and as far as that's concerned, I I try. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like on a personal level. Uh, we just had a kid in December. Yeah, that's awesome. Our first son. And uh, yeah, that's been probably the best and happiest change in my life recently. So I've been trying to adjust to this new addition to our family. Right. I must say it's been really nice to have. I was one of those guys who never felt ready to have kids. But I can say that like the first time I saw my son in the hospital, just like things changed in a second. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you had the same experience yourself. I think so. I, you know, one of the last book that I read is called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And mm-hmm. it's a, kind of a journey of a founder, CEO through fairly large businesses and acquisitions and failure. And one of the things that he made the point of stating in the book is nothing prepares you to be a CEO, but being a CEO, because it is such a unnatural role 
while I don't think parenting is an unnatural role, I don't think anything prepares you to be a parent, but being mm. a parent. And there is something that clicks. Like I think for not for everyone, you know, I don't want to discredit, you know, make people who feel like they're having a hard time with it, you know, kind of downplay that parenting is very difficult and it's challenging and there are, and your life changes forever. Like it is a dramatic change, but lots of times what happens is it's just a click and you're like, Oh, this is right. This feels right. And so I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I just felt like there's a lot of pressure from society. And for a time I was like, am I being too selfish or am I just not that normal, you know, that I don't feel the surge to have kids and sure. But yeah, it's just like, you don't have to do much effort. Once you have uh, your son or daughter, you don't have to do much effort to actually love or, or dedicate mm -hmm. most of your life to them. You know, it just comes naturally. At least that's been my experience. I had some friends who were like that, where they had pretty much decided they were never going to have kids. They just mm. were both happy and content that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But Something happened along the way, and several years ago, late in their marriage, they had been married a really long time, they had a child, and they just became total parents. Like, they had changed their world. Two people who were never expecting to have kids, uh, had no desire to have kids, all of a sudden have a child, and they are total parents. Like, they're, they're, they're in it, and they love it, and they're doing well with it. And so, yeah, I think uh, life happens, and a uh, child changes you, and even when you don't think you have intentions of being a parent you can get there pretty fast <laughs> yeah so i've been enjoying the process of changing and just having fun with it really seeing what i need to learn to fill up the shoes of this new role and just experiment enjoy time with my son i think yeah you don't really need i, I think what's what was important for me was the timing of it All right like now that I have my son, sometimes I say, I wish I had kids earlier, but then I realized that my life in my 20s was pretty packed. So if I did have my kids earlier, well, I first needed to meet my wife, <laughs> an important part. That's a key piece. happened in my late 20s. And then we were traveling and racking up so many incredible experiences, which I feel I can now pass on all that knowledge to my son. So That's awesome. So yeah, that's been uh, the big thing. And then business-wise, I've been working on uh, finance. Mm -hmm. You might recall that uh, maybe towards the last few episodes that we had recorded, I was getting into investment and crypto. While crypto suffered like a bad year, I'm still very much interested in the topics of investing in general. So perhaps the fall of crypto was good in a way that I started reading about other stuff as well and perhaps getting out of that mad rush that crypto brought along with it and learning investing in a more sensible way. Yeah. And so I know that in the US, the FIRE movement, the financial independence, retire early movement is quite strong with people like Financial Samurai, Mr. Money Mustache, and all those blogs. And so the interesting thing is that it, it really is enjoying a big boom in Europe right now. Sure. I somehow got into that space. And, you know, it's the nice thing is that before, in general, I feel that as Europeans, we end up reading all the books and blogs coming from the US. And especially on the finance side, a lot of the stuff is not really applicable to Europe because they're sure. investing in 
platforms that are not available for us. You have the 401k, which I never really understood, by the way. But, <laughs> uh, you know, there's medical uh, insurance, which is really expensive. So you have to budget for that. Yep. So a lot of things are different here. And having like the perspective of other Europeans was really interesting. It still is. And I'm very happy that this area is growing. And so I've kind of gotten into it through my blog, my personal blog. And it kind of feels like what WordPress was like when I started WP Mayor. There's like a lot of thirst for knowledge. Uh, it's that time when you write a post and you immediately get traffic, you immediately get a lot of feedback. And so that's very exciting compared to WordPress, which is now very saturated in terms of blogging and content. Sure. So I guess I'm also at the right time if I want to do something in that space within Europe. So I've launched uh, a site called eurofinanceblogs.com where I gather all the latest news from the platforms, the investing platforms and the bloggers. Yeah. So that's using aggregator, which was also a good uh, way for me to try out aggregator with a kind of fresh outlook as I haven't used it personally for a long time. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so it's, it was fun to see. I eventually had to categorize the blogs by language. So it's very interesting to see like the Germans have their own blogs, the Italians have their own, the Spanish have their own. <laughs> so like even more pressure to learn more languages. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, a lot of a lot of diving into the world of finance and investing and mm -hmm. becoming a resource for people searching for that kind of information, as well as the personal, completely dramatic change of having a child. That's a lot to happen. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to happen. Yeah, and uh, the other only other thing I would mention is that I've recently been trying to network more with people. Yeah, um, but try to build my community. And I don't know if this has anything to do with having a child, but I felt the need to build some really strong community, like people I can have very good discussions with, you know? Yeah. Like before, I, I don't feel, I don't really remember having that need to connect with people on a deeper basis and form this circle of friends. Like even as I was traveling, people were always changing. I would connect with people, but then we would grow apart, so... Do you find that your local community you're developing more? I would say more of a home base community of people more than even like the digital. Like, right, we did, we have lots of relationships digitally uh -huh. that we connect to over a phone call or when we see when we travel. But uh, like when you are in home base, are you building that friendship base and that network and that is? Do you think that you're developing that more now that you have a child? Uh, like I was always good at networking at conferences at right. um, you know Skype or post status all this stuff, and they have always served me well. But there's something extra above that when you have a local connection. You yep. know? Yeah, like even if something practical, if you need something, you can ask advice on something local. You know, absolutely. Or meet up, and the magic of meeting up. I think this is something I learned from the Spanish culture. They're always out having drinks and tapas. And so you're pushed kind of in a way, you feel like you're missing out if you're not doing it. Right. And I kind of learned how important that is to go out and have a beer or a cup of wine and just relax and discuss nice topics or just, you know, 
go out and relax and not keep uh, moving at a thousand miles an hour in my own head. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Very cool. I definitely advocate for having a local community. I mean, I, I appreciate all of my long distance friendships and stuff, but there is there's something to be said for going through something, needing to, to detox or work through a thought or something and being able to call some local people together and say, hey, let's let's just circle around this topic and talk about it and it would be helpful. Or sometimes, you know, not even just to talk around a topic, just to be with people yeah. who understand the pressures that you understand uh, and can just be there and not have to talk about business at all <laughs> is great. Yeah. So I get it. That's very cool. In fact, I was looking at, uh, you know, official not official like formal groups like the eo and dynamite yep. circle to see if they had a local chapter and maybe it would accelerate my meeting new people in that yep. way. but what i like about them is that they are pre-qualified so i think when i arrived here i used to attend lots of meetups while you get to meet a lot of people it would be really hard to find someone who's more or less where you're at in, in life and business absolutely so the fact that the eo especially qualifies people who's had certain success and in, in business for example they're more likely to be dealing with the same challenges that you are dealing with yeah and i guess same with the dynamite circle yeah i know uh cory miller has always spoke very highly yep. of eo and has always encouraged me with that and we have a few we have some chapters near us not not super close but not super far um and it's always been an intriguing thought i've never never taken the step to do it, but he has always spoken very, very highly of it. And I know it's a, an, ama an amazing support system for him. And have you taken any steps to build a local community or have you relied mostly on your friendships and the company itself? I think, um, I mean, I think it's a little bit of a combination because I think my community, mm -hmm. our local community has a thriving entrepreneurial spirit around it. So we've been, right. our coffee shop that we own has always been a kind of a thriving place where makers tend to show up. And so we've been building networks there. They find themselves connected to us at our office. And so we've been building that network over time. Our, my other podcast, uh, Adventures in Businessing, which I'll be recording right after this one, mm -hmm. is a network of people who first, there used to be Kevin and myself, and then two other gentlemen who are not partners, but were running different types of businesses. And over time, just because of that relationship and that network, one of those has become a partner in our company. And we keep joking about the fourth one finally being assimilated into the company as well. But it's been an interesting space. And so we've been pushing more and more about how are we a little more intentional with the makers in the area and creating a place for them. Um, which would also be creating a place for us. So there's definitely some work going on there. Right. And that, tell us about the coffee thing, because I think when uh, we had recorded the last episode together, you were just getting into it. And I know you're wearing, a, I can see that you're wearing, a, <laughs> okay. I like coffee and maybe three people. Yeah, <laughs> I like coffee and maybe three people. Funny thing, I went to Disney World, took my family to Disney World earlier this year, and uh -huh. I... On multiple days walking through the park, I got a lot of freebies 
because people commented on the shirt and they're like, oh, I love that shirt. Let me give you free coffee. Or I love that shirt. We want to give your family a free pass through this ride. And I was like, man, this shirt's awesome. I need like more <laughs> versions of it and go places and see if I can get free stuff. A um, very American thing. I doubt it would work anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably. But yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So it was a funny experience. Yeah, no, I think starting in the middle of last year, my friend uh, Jeremy Moore, who he started Bond Life Coffee at the same time we were starting Ninja Form. So we were kind of both starting businesses at the same time. He was obviously really deep in coffee culture and roasting and meeting farmers and traveling uh, to other countries, meeting, you know, building relationships with farmers and building this kind of local coffee culture. At the same time, we were building Ninja Forms and building kind of the software company. And so very different pieces. And we've always talked about what it would look like to partner up because he has a, a sharp financial mind. He's good at, I would say, having these kind of tougher conversations of making deals and and all the like the the nitty-gritty that goes in that and that's kind of the world he lives in already. So we've always want kind of wanted him to be a part of the team. I think he's also wanted to figure out what long-term entrepreneurship looks like for him. And so we middle of last year struck a deal that worked out where Saturday Drive acquired the coffee shop and the coffee roasting, which has won tons of awards and has done really, really well all over the U.S. And we actually just uh, won some silver and bronze medals in an Australian competition, which is really tough for us to win because like, they take your roast coffee and they test it brew it and try all these things with it, but you have to send it to Australia. So mm. it's already, it's got to be there 10 days before the competition. Plus it takes about two weeks for us to get it to Australia. So our coffee is less than fresh when it gets yeah. there to be tested, <laughs> but we still won silver and, and some silver and bronze medals through, through that competition. So we're pretty happy with that, but we've won a lot of uh, gold and, and best all around roast in North America in some competitions here, which has been really nice. And, uh, but he's, he just knows the coffee space really, really well, but he, he's learning our space really well. Plus he just has his, his ability to help us kind of deep dive into our finances and our budgeting and thinking through what are our financial goals are, is really strong. So yeah, in the middle of last year, we made a deal. It became official the first of this year. And now he is a minor partner in the business and, uh, you know, working heavily with us. But now we have this local coffee shop, which we were spending lots of money at the coffee shop. I've probably joked on the show before. We were spending so much money there. You ever have that joke where you're like, oh, man, I spent so much money. I should own stock. So we just took it a little bit further and we said, we're spending so much money. We should just own the coffee business. <laughs> and so we integrated that into us. It's a lot of fun because I like working on a physical product in a kind of a brick and mortar storefront which is fun, but they have a lot of digital needs too that our team can provide, such as apps and websites and e-commerce and things like that. So we're able to help heavily and building up the infrastructure of the business on that side. Plus, I'm getting to apply other things from the business to the physical nature of the business and vice versa. As I'm learning about the inner workings of the physical business, I'm able to bring that back to the digital product. And so there's a lot of fun there to kind of think about different types of business and how we can learn from each other. So, but it's been a really cool experience. Mm. Uh, but yeah, now when I tell people what we do, I'm like, yeah, we own a software company and coffee roastery. And so it's a little confusing. They're like, well, I don't understand why. And I'm like, well, technically coffee powers our team. So it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. Actually, <laughs> like the only business I would, like the first business I would love to open in Barcelona would be a coffee shop. 
All right. We should talk for the same. Yeah. For the same reason <laughs> that whenever I go out it's to spend money and time in a coffee shop, you know? <laughs> right. And I don't find the right coffee shop that I would like imagine. In, uh, and I also visited your own coffee shop. I don't know how different right. it is now, but I had loved that. And it's still hard to find coffee shops like this now here sorry and although the space is really growing in terms of artists and coffee shops they're growing really fast here yeah i would imagine so and you know to me the coffee and the entrepreneurial culture like there's such a synergy between the two because make you know nomads right nomad business owners and entrepreneurs travel the world and find coffee shops to set up shop to do business and so coffee shops have become kind of the home of makers yeah. people who are doing interesting things and and developing and creating businesses and products and and ideas and information and so in a way there was there was more synergy than we realized in wanting to be have the coffee shop be a part of us plus kind of our purpose has always been and some of this has been discovered more recently has always been about empowering entrepreneurship that's kind of why we started mastermind.fm back in the day yeah. it's why i still continue to do adventures in businessing most of the products that we have are geared towards helping entrepreneurs be more successful in their businesses and so as we've done more and more of that like that's what the coffee shop was about too it was actually creating uh, more opportunity for farmers in other countries to provide for their families and change their communities through entrepreneurship of these coffee farms. And so by doing more direct trade and working directly with the farmers, uh, we were able to put more money in their pockets so that they could have a larger impact on their communities. And so more and more we realize like, wow, as we have built this, maybe even only subconsciously and completely unintentionally, it seems, we have created something that is actually quite there's quite a kind of continuity across all the things that we have done. And so we're really excited about that. And it's given us deeper focus and it's helped us make better decisions about what we do and don't do as we have discovered more and more what our general purpose is. Hmm. I'm the least surprised with the connection between <laughs> software and coffee. And I'm sure like you I, are. <laughs> <laughs> like I was saying, though, it links back to what I was saying about building a local community. Uh, if you can imagine, like Barcelona is one of the most international places on earth. Tons of people pass through, entrepreneurs. We've got the Mobile yeah. World Congress once a year. Tons of other conferences. And so for me, like the coffee shop uh, is where you go to meet people. So I'd love to be personally spending a lot of time in such a coffee shop where I can work, go out, offer something unique to people mm -hmm. and build like a community around the coffee shop, something which yeah, I is love missing it. at the moment in Barcelona. Yeah, very cool. Good stuff. So that's something we'll discuss later. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely we should definitely have a conversation. I can connect Franchising. you with Jeremy. You, <laughs> we can figure out what a uh, partnership looks like to start a bond life in Barcelona. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. What's up uh, on the personal side? Is there anything new or... Uh, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind for us in the last few weeks. I had started a project 
a little while ago to think about, we, we live in a fairly small home. I like small homes. I figure the bigger the home you get, the more you just fill it with stuff. And I suspect that needs context coming from an American. <laughs> <laughs> it probably does. You're right. Because everything, probably most people's perception of America is more and more stuff and larger and larger and fill it up and, and acquire, acquire, acquire. I have been on a journey for years towards minimalism. I love the minimalist philosophy. I find that being simpler in my motivations and more focused in the things that actually bring me joy um, makes me happier. Like I wake up happier when I walk downstairs into my home, into my kitchen, into my living room, and the surfaces are clear and there's no clutter and there's no like you know, just the stuff that brings me joy, just some good art, some good color, some just a nice atmosphere. And I've I've always been drawn to it for, for years and years and years. Although when you have a child, sometimes that chaos kind of overwhelms and fills and like there's a corner in the living room that's just Grayson's toys and just tons and tons of toys. And I'm like, this is the absolute opposite of what I want for my life. And so I try to find it in my office where I clean my desk and I keep my desk surface clear because I think clearer when my surfaces are clear. And so I've been in this pursuit of minimalism for quite a while. In fact, I think I've been reading books this year at a ferocious rate more than I have ever read before. So right now we are what in coming towards the first week of March. And I've probably got 25 books I've read this year so far. Mm, so I've been kind of plowing through a lot. So after a while, I was reading just like, hey, I'd like to learn more about this or I want to think I want to think a little deeper on this topic. And then after a while, I realized I want to give my reading a little more focus. So the last, I'd say, 10 books have all been around essentialism and minimalism and, and, and that topic so that it just every book was reinforcing what I've read in the last. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of building on top of each other. I've been pursuing that for a while. And so we've had a small house, but it, it's a little too small for, you know, the three of us. I think at, t- at right now it's like 1,100 square feet. Like it's pretty tiny for, for by American standards. It's super tiny. Maybe not everywhere in the world, but by American standards, it's super super tiny for three people. And the conversion in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> And it's an old, old house. So the wiring is really old and not as safe as it could be. And the plumbing is old and there's no storage space to at least hide things. Like, you know, part of this idea of minimalism is if you do have things that you have to store, which everyone does, Mm -hmm. store it out of sight. Don't leave it on surfaces and in cabinets that are easy to see. So we don't have any of that. We don't have closet space. We don't have any of that. So we were going to do a big remodel. That I told you all of that to get to this. <laughs> uh, we were going to do this huge remodel where we were going to gut the house to the bones and reconfigure it to be more conducive to our life. I brought in a partner who was going to kind of manage the project for me, and he hired a contractor and an artist, and they kind of conceptualized it. We agreed on some plans, and they priced it out. But the problem was that it was going to be so expensive to do this remodel plan that I had that it would have been an, ended up being like way overbuilt for the area that we live in. And I would never be able to resell this home and get my money back out of it. So I decided that wasn't the most financially prudent thing for me to do. And we decided either we were going to buy land and build something from scratch that's just what we want it to be, 
or we would buy a house. And But we were having a hard time. We'd been looking for houses for years, just constantly. Every time the, something new comes up, we would say, is this something that we could live in? And we have some pretty specific things. Some of the newer housing developments in this area are like, you could like open your window and your neighbor could open their window and you could hand something to them. And that's too close for us. We wanted a little separation from our neighbors. So that was hard. So none of the new developments worked for us. To make a long story short, in the last three weeks, I think it's been now, I decided we weren't going to build, that we were going to either buy or build. We weren't going to renovate. We were going to either buy or build. So I reached out to somebody who I knew was interested in buying our house to flip it. And so they said yes. And in one, in two weeks time total, we settled on a price and closed on the house and sold it and had to be out in 30 days. So like it happened really, really fast. And it's just in the last three weeks. So a week ago, you know, started our countdown that we have to be out of the house mm. and sold it, got the check deposited in the account. The day, uh, I want to say the day before we closed, a house came up on the market that we thought was really compelling. And we went and we walked it the very next day, uh, made an offer on it. They countered, we accepted, and we're closing. And sometime this week, we should close on that house. So in a really short period of time, we sold our house and bought a house and now we're moving. So yeah, it's been a little bit of a turmoil around here because I've been spending so much time. And as an entrepreneur, not strictly W-2 employee, although I do have W-2, like I get like paychecks, I don't have quite the paycheck history that I used to have because a lot of it is through business income. So you have to gather all the business tax returns and kind of show that you, your ownership in the business and they need to see that to do underwriting. And it's just a whole process. So I've been gathering documents and getting that to where they need to go and making plans and getting inspections and all the stuff that needs to be done on, you know, all that stuff that needs to be done in the new house. Uh, I've been packing crates to say, all right, what stuff are we keeping? And then the big journey too is what can we get rid of? Like, what can I, well, how do we purge and downsize? Because even though we're moving into a slightly bigger house, I don't want to just fill it up. Yeah. So that's been kind of the journey and that's all been happening in a very short period of time. So that's been the personal stuff. It's just been a lot of it. <laughs> well, congratulations. Sounds like an exciting thing to do. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. It's been fun. Do you think it's like, because uh, this happens a lot, no, that you finally decide to sell something and then at the same time something comes on the market or like that's waiting for a long time to make a decision and right when you make the decision the solution is uh, is right there waiting you know what do you think is it something in our heads that uh, <laughs> <laughs> it can't be always coincidence no I think it is the awareness that comes when change happens and change must happen. It's the same differences. Mm -hmm. And this is maybe, I don't think this is just an American kind of a construct, but like, you know, you buy a new car and you think your car is super unique and you've not seen any of them around. You're like, I want that car and that color. And all of a sudden yeah. you buy it. And then it seems like there's like, a dozen of them everywhere you go you see your car and you're like wait a minute why how did i like yeah. where did these all come from well they were there the whole time like people had them you just weren't aware of it because you weren't looking for it but because now that you are so aware of what your car looks like you see it everywhere else and i think it's the same thing like once you decide that you have to buy like you have to move out you this this thing has to happen all of a sudden things that are less appealing become more appealing because there's a little more urgency And so I think, yeah, I think there's some of that. Also, it's just kind of my MO to move fast. 
my wife is hating life right now because she likes to do things really deliberately and slow. And I just like to make decisions and move very quickly. And I try not to move too quick, but sometimes I do, I will admit. I don't think this is one of those. I think this one just everything just fell into place. Uh, but yeah, I definitely do move quick. So when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> and what made you take the action? Because you were waiting for many years, you said, no looking at places and stuff. What made you take that decisive action to contact your friend or acquaintance? It was weird. It's, I think we were always looking at homes, but we always thought we would renovate. And so we would always keep our options open looking, but we knew that in our mind, the decision was we're going to renovate because we liked the neighborhood that we lived in. And we didn't necessarily want to leave that neighborhood. Uh, we live in the downtown of our area. And so we, mm-hmm. we liked that. We wanted to stay there. But once I think we flipped the switch, that renovation was out. I think it just everything just and I did. I actually didn't intend for it to go that fast. I was just reaching out to see if there was still interest. I was like, hey, you know, when we bought this house, you expressed interest in buying it from us if we ever left. We're thinking about doing that. Uh, you know, are you still interested? And she came back and said, yes, I'm absolutely interested. Can we meet tonight? And she came over and we already locked in, like that night, we locked in the price. So it kind of happened to me and by me all at the same time. Like I didn't expect it to go that fast. Mm. Uh, but then once it happened, we were like, all right, we need to find a house. And I think some of the urgency was we could have found an apartment or rented a house for a little while and took our time trying, but I didn't really want to have to move twice in a short period of time. I'd rather just move to where we were going and be done with it. So I think that kind of sped the process up a little bit. The house that we ended up buying literally came on the market like right after we had started to wrap up the sell, sale of our house and it just showed up and it was the right price and it was the right size and it was in the right neighborhood. Like all of it just clicked. And so that helped speed things up again. I had that house not opened up. We probably would be renting right now for a little while. Hmm. So we got lucky. Yeah. Sounds like uh, fun times. Yeah. It's, it's been good. It's been good. And of course, business is always changing and crazy. And so Business has been going going well as as well. Ninja Forms has con- is still been and continues to grow. Our team has expanded and then decreased a little bit. Like we hired a developer. That developer is moving to Texas to work with Magnolia. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They had a show for a while called Fixer Upper where they basically buy a rundown house and they flip it for a family to move into. Mm-hmm. And so there, he's going down there because his girlfriend lives down there. And so that's really a good move for them. It wasn't a bad thing. It's like, oh, you're moving for your relationship. That makes sense. But we, we lost a developer, but we also hired Matt Pritchett, who I don't know if you know. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Pritchett, you know, has a lot of friends in the WordPress community. So he's well known and well liked. And we brought him on the team. He's moving up to Cleveland from Florida to join our team. Ninja Forms is doing good. We also acquired Exchange WP, which was formerly iThemes Exchange. We've rebranded it to Ninja Shop and have just started to work more heavily on getting Exchange customers moved over as well as sell it itself. We just launched a few days ago a transactional email service called SendWP, specifically for WordPress websites to solve their email woes. And we have probably, you know, I don't know, another quarter dozen projects that we're working on that are sitting in the wings waiting to be called up as a main project to focus on, <laughs> like just kind of mm-hmm. kind of slowly being nurtured and simmering off to the side. And then, of course, the coffee shop and a lot of stuff that we're doing in the coffee shop and local 
Another big change is uh, this studio that I'm in recording in right now, which is a studio we recorded many Mastermind FM episodes, at least on my side. Yeah. Uh, and did a lot of recording. It's moving. We've rented a facility next to our coffee shop. Storefront space opened up. Uh, fairly decent cost for us. And so we are actually renovating it to be a full media studio. So it'll have a podcast room. And then it'll have some spaces for like a news desk video scene, a kind of talk show video scene, and a full body green screen area. So that we can do more intensive media for products or promotions or things that we want to do as we move forward. So we're moving the podcast studio probably in the next two weeks or so. Uh, we'll be moving everything over there. So that's an exciting kind of transition we're making as well. Sounds awesome. Yeah. And so what about the uh, exchange? We hadn't had the chance. We haven't had the chance to discuss that. I would love to know the rationale behind buying it and what the, the next few months will look like for that. Yeah. So I've always loved iThemes Exchange. I remember I did a talk at WordCamp Atlanta uh, several years ago called, uh, it was talk, It was basically Ninja Forms, a case study of the freemium add-on model. And Corey Miller brought some of his team together because they were getting ready to launch Exchange under the exact same model and came to that talk. And it was kind of neat to meet them and talk to them about their process. And we've always loved the product. Like the product is really, really sharp looking. And so we followed them. We recommended them as an e-commerce solution, as a, as a solution, you know, a, a alternative to WooCommerce which was, you know, a little, it's a little more difficult to set up. It's a little more involved to get into. And Exchange was always a fairly simpler solution for that. And so when it finally, it changed hands, you know, once to uh, AJ, who as a single kind of owner developer tried to maintain it, but it's a big project. I mean, it's a, it's a really large project with a lot of moving parts. And so it's hard for a single person to handle it. So when he decided he couldn't do it anymore, we decided that the team was ready to finally move into another area and kind of play around with that space a little bit. And e-commerce is such a huge space and it's continuing to grow at a rapid pace. And there's not a lot of competition for WooCommerce to be completely blunt, right? Like WooCommerce kind of owns the space of WordPress e-commerce. Well, that's not really fair to the consumer to not have other alternatives and other options that they can play around with. And there are other large spaces that have started to slip in, like big commerce has slipped in into the space that are doing good things, absolutely. But for the starter, for the person who wants to start their store without dropping $1,000 on products before they've even sold an item, it's really challenging. And that's sometimes a big ask for somebody who's like, I've got this idea, or I've got this product, I've got this thing. And I want to start selling it, but I don't have $1,000 just to invest in the software to run the store. I just don't have it. So we wanted to create a model that was fair to starters, but then could grow with them as their revenue grew so they wouldn't find themselves in the early days when they're anemic with funds. They wouldn't be like just bleeding out money and software that to something that's not actually functioning yet. So we wanted to give them time to be able to say, you know what, I'm just going to focus on my store and, and selling product and getting the name out there. And then as the store grows, we can benefit with them in that process. So that was the model we kind of developed. And we're, we're going to continue to work on to see if we can fill a void for people who want to get started in e-commerce. Hmm. And so how do you solve the pricing issue then? 
We're doing a, a different type of pricing for a WordPress product. And for most people, they don't, you know, people who are ingrained in WordPress business and software, they don't like the model. But for your starters, they, they like it. It works for them. And so the model we are going with is more of a SaaS pricing model. We're doing, it's $9 a month to get started. So you can start your store for as little as $9. Pay $9, get access to everything Ninja Shop has to offer and build it out. As your revenue grows, we start to take a small percentage of the revenue. If you start making over $500 a month, for instance, we'll start taking a small percentage of the revenue, and up, to, but only up to $99 a month. So it caps. It has a hard cap. And so there's a number of reasons for that. $9 a month, one is it's super affordable to get started. And if you spend three months and it fails and it doesn't work out for you for some reason, you know, you're out 27 bucks, right? Like you didn't lose a ton of money trying to build a store that didn't work. But if you start to make money, then why wouldn't you share, you know, work with the e-commerce platform that that your store is built on top of to work with that. And the reason we cap it out is just because, you know, you solutions like Shopify are just they get outrageously expensive when you start your revenue starts to grow to a certain numbers or you're using more of their top tier, you're paying you know, a share per transaction, plus you're paying a hefty monthly fee on top of that. And it's just, it can be pretty, it can price you out. And so we didn't want to lose people to Shopify just because their store was growing. We wanted to make sure that we're, that it was a fair amount and it just didn't, didn't grow indefinitely. We want you to be able to budget it and at some point be able to say, okay, I'm pretty well capped out on my e-commerce expense but it's still, you know, the Ninja Shop product is still making money in the process and is not, you know, bleeding out itself. So we wanted something that was sustainable. We thought that was the best of both worlds. Yeah, I really like that model. Uh, usually I, I shy away from such systems just because they scale up infinitely. Yep. And I don't think it's fair, you know, like, okay, the technology is important, but if I'm earning 100K a month versus 10K a month, the difference is something else, not the technology. So why should I pay a, just a simple percentage of what I'm earning? Uh, and I think scaling up, the scaling up part of what you're doing is just to help the entrepreneur get started. I guess yep. you value your service at 99 a month, yep. and but you're helping them get there, which is awesome as well. Yeah, I think our, our mentality is we're deferring the cost. Mm. We're saying while the while your business isn't making money yet, we're going to swallow it. We're, we're going to partner with you by absorbing the cost on our end so that when you start to make money, we'll get ours back in the, in the long run. But it won't be so prohibitive that it messes with your budget. And you can budget it in. As your business grows, you can budget in, okay, I'm going to have to pay a little more for my e-commerce over time, but it's only as the revenue's coming in. So all of our billing is past month. We're not billing you for the future month. We're literally billing you for the past month. We're saying, hey, your past month, your revenue was X. And so your fee is this. But you used it. You know, that's what you sold. Like you sold it and the platform helped you sell it. So it makes sense. Instead of saying like, hey, we're going to charge you $1,000 for the year. And if you make money, great. And if you don't, oh, well, like that's not our problem. We, we're making it part of our problem. And I think that what it does is it creates more of a partnership with the, our customers. It says, we are not just selling you a product. We're working with you. It's in our best interest for you to succeed because we make more money if you succeed. It's definitely not in our interest for you to fail. And I think that creates a level of trust with the customer that's a little unique. And we hope in the long run, if we can get that message out properly, 
uh, and continue to provide an actual, you know, nice piece of software, I think it'll win in the, in the long run. And so where are you at at the moment? Are you still just mostly servicing the existing customers that came from the transition or are you already attracting a lot of new customers? We're attracting some new customers, but we haven't done a lot of marketing yet. We just yeah. kind of wanted to make sure the product was stable, push it out there, let a few new people buy in to what's already working. And we've just started the process of really more heavily migrating over previous exchange customers into the system. So that's what Matt Pritchett is kind of focusing on is how do I get people transitioned from the old exchange system into the new, which is a fairly simple process, but you know, it's new software has been changed a little bit to meet our needs. And so in that process, we have to kind of handle that kind of delicately to make sure that they get brought over. But new customers are buying into the system every day. It's a slow growth because again, we've not pushed any kind of marketing. And as you know, the WordPress space is a lot more competitive than it used to be. So it's not just release a product and think that just because you have a name and another product, it's just going to take off. It has to be nurtured. It has to have its own personality and it has to win customers just like any other product has to win customers. And will there be any involvement for third-party developers as well? I don't think so. We haven't decided definitively on that, but at this point we're saying no because we don't want to add that complexity to the system. We'll certainly keep our options open and there may be some other ways of doing it where we can talk about partners where we can direct traffic and even more tightly integrate, but maybe not sell them on our site and confuse the business model. That's my bigger concern. The marketplace, while it worked for Ninja Forms to help us grow on some level, it also kind of ties our hands a little bit because there's certain things that we can't do with the business model because we don't own all of the products specifically, even though as far as the customer is concerned, it's Ninja Forms. So I don't think we want to muddy those waters just yet. We want to kind of play it out. And in a way, you know, Ninja Forms took off because we innovated on a business model for forms. E-commerce did the add-on model. They had been doing it for years. Nobody else had really been doing the business model of add-ons. And it definitely hadn't been doing it in the form space. And a way to not do add-ons is a way of us innovating the business model in the e-commerce space and doing something different than what everyone else is doing. So instead of buying all of these, what they call it, nickel and diming, which I don't think that's actually what it is, but it is an, an additional expense and an additional um I don't know, barrier to kind of keep track of all of these different add-ons and what do I need and what what is this and and did I pay for that? Did I not pay for this? I know I bought this one three months ago and this one I bought, you know what I mean? Like it's just, mm. it's really confusing to keep track of. Ours is simple. You get charged monthly on the 5th. Doesn't matter who you are, what kind of customer you are on the 5th of the month, you get charged for the previous month's transactions and that's it. And it's super simple. You keep track of it. It's dependable. You always know it's happening. I think in the end, I think that's going to be an interesting play is to kind of evolve that business model a little bit and compete against what everyone else is doing in the e-commerce space. So are you consciously limiting your market or, for example, just the obscure for you, the obscure like uh, payment gateways that we sometimes use in Europe? You wouldn't cater for those. So how would it work? Not out of the gate. I'm not mm. saying that we won't. Right now, we're doing it pretty bit basic. I think we have PayPal, Stripe, and Authorize.net, and we're keeping it pretty small right now. We can't scale that way, obviously. So it's a definitely more of a, of a niche market of what people can do. We actually had a conversation. We were in Las Vegas, and one of our uh, drivers who was driving us around was talk, had a big uh, market in an HTC and, and selling all of that stuff. Or I th did I say that right? Anyway, 
selling pot. <laughs> <laughs> not the CBD, whatever the other part is. Um, anyway, uh, there's some payment gateways like Stripe and PayPal that won't let you sell that stuff. Authorized.net apparently is one that will. And so it's kind of interesting to hear that, like the, the problems of that market that's growing and people are selling this stuff, but uh, not every payment gateway will support it. And so that's an interest. It's an interesting problem that if you want to expand, obviously you have to open up to new payment gateways. I don't know how far we will go into niches like that for specific countries, but we will certainly look at what are the payment gateways that have the broadest market that will reach some of those more international customers that can't use, say, Stripe or something like that. We'll try to find out what those products those are that don't hmm. focus us on too tight of a niche, but still open us up a little bit more. So you're saying that a third-party developer cannot release his own plugin on his own site that integrates with your system? On his own site, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no problem with that. You're just not going to sell them yourself? We're just not going to sell them on our system because it complicates our business model. But if they're selling them, and and we can certainly work out a relationship where they can be promoted possibly within the app and within the website, and they're not just on their own in discoverability. They can get some of the name recognition of Ninja Shop for discoverability. I'm sure there's some stuff we can work out there. Just right now, we're not going to sell them on our site and and kind of confuse that too much. So it's more like what Pippin is doing with Edidi. Yeah, he kind of shifted to that route, right? He bought out or released some of the add-ons that were in his space, and they either you know, popped up on a store or he made an acquisition or, you know, whatever. But it's a little more like that. Hmm. It will be interesting to keep tabs on how, how this develops. I also think that there's too much focus on WooCommerce. So it's good to see more competition. That's the thing. I think the e-commerce space and WordPress is a little tight right now. There's not a lot of players in the space. And the players that are in the space are pretty focused, right? Easy Digital Downloads is really focused on digital downloads, which is good. I mean, you need that kind of focus to do that space well. But like general purpose e-commerce, which is what WooCommerce and say BigCommerce, who's again, a more recent player in the WordPress space, there isn't as much of that around. And so we think NinjaShop will fit a need in that space. We'll see how it goes. I guess partly the the reason why I I asked the previous question about payment gateways is that what I see is that WooCommerce is too expensive, not only for people starting business, say in the US, but most business owners outside of the US and developing countries where people just don't afford, even if they run a successful business, successful within the, the context of their country and culture they still can't afford WooCommerce. So they end up going to the sites which allow the free downloads of WooCommerce plugins without the updates, without the support. So I really like your solution and that it's all legit. It's all simple. You're offering the support. And I think that pricing can reach a much broader market than say WooCommerce. Maybe in terms of overall expense, it would be the same, but it's much more manageable. Yeah, the idea of it growing with the entrepreneur and the business that's that's using it, it makes it more palatable. And that's what we're hoping for, right? We're hoping that starters can say, hey, I can start low cost when I don't have any money. And then when I have money, my cost will be a little bit more, but I have the money. I factored that in and it's not a big deal. So Very well. So you've been pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, definitely been busy. It's been great. Team has been expanding, which is helping a little bit with it, but I've certainly been taking on more responsibility and as the business is growing and having to do a little bit more to keep everything kind of moving in the right direction, but it's all been good. Hmm. 
Are you attending any conferences this year? I've been traveling a lot this year. Yeah, you've been to recently. What was it? I went to the MicroConf. I went to MicroConf. So I was there just a little while ago. Before that, I went to Banff in Canada to a conference, Cult of Brands conference, which was really interesting. They were they kind of honor some of the top cult brands in the space like Marvel and North Face and Airbnb and products that are just kind of like exploding and just have a really passionate following. So it was really fun to kind of hear some of them talk about their brands and how they how they develop their purpose, how they talk about their purpose, things like that. So that was really cool. I also am going to next month I have WordCamp Atlanta, and then after that, we have a conference called Collision up in Toronto, which is another marketing conference. Of course, we're- Oh, you're going to that one? Yeah. I'll be there. Oh, will you? Yeah. All right. All right. I'll see you there. Yeah. So we, we decided. So some different conferences that we don't usually go to. We're supposed to have a booth for Ninja Shop there. So we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting. Would there be free coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> So we'll be we'll be doing that, and then of course uh, Cabo Press and WordCamp US, and I think there's another one, but I can't keep track. So normally I travel maybe three times a year. Like I keep it really mm. light. This year I think I have eight tri- eight different trips throughout the year, which is a l- really excessive for me. So. <laughs> Pressnomics. Uh, yeah, and Pressnomics. I'll be at Pressnomics as well. That's one I missed. I knew there was one that I was forgetting. Cool. So I'll meet you twice. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good to reconnect in person. Yeah. It's been like on my plans to go to Canada for a while. And so when the opportunity to go to Collision Conf arose, I decided to go. There's also going to be a few others from the WordPress space attending. Okay. It'll be cool. Yeah. That'll be nice. I didn't realize it. It was just one of those things where we did a search for like some marketing-esque conferences and those were some of the ones that came up as being well-loved so we're like okay we'll try it out nice so yeah i guess it's time to wrap up sounds good was uh was good to catch up with you james yeah it was really good uh, yeah good luck with all the projects thank you so much i appreciate it good luck with the with your child i hope everything goes great uh, I remember when I, we were expecting, all my entrepreneur friends were like, you're going to love it. You can work from home. The baby will sleep and blah, blah, blah. And they all lied. Every last one of them lied. The baby never slept. I never like had a moment to myself. I have one picture of the baby lying across uh, a pillow on my lap while I was working at the keyboard. It was the only time I was able to do that even. It was rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it, it creates a hectic life but it's yeah. it's all worth it cool all right thanks a lot james and uh, hope to well I, I will see you soon and just around a month's time yep yeah more in canada sounds good all right and so if there are any people listening to this podcast who will also be at collision conf do reach out would be great to meet it's not one of the usual places where wordpress people meet i guess but since it seems that many people are going, why not? Yeah, maybe we can get a, a dinner or something together and get us all together. Yeah. That'd be good. Cool. All right. See you, James. All right. See you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. 
And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.